three and one. That is what West Virginia is. We get into West Virginia's 20 to 13 win over Texas Tech on this new episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Patrick Cornell, back with you with another episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. It was another win for the good guys in gold and blue. West Virginia did it at home, closed out an impressive three-game homestand with a 20-13 victory over Texas Tech. There was a lot about this game between both backup quarterbacks end up playing, Texas Tech's offense kind of just not moving the ball at all in the first half, and then West Virginia doing enough late in the fourth quarter on both offense and defense to win the game. So, Patrick, just let me get your overall thoughts on, on the victory. Um, It was a good win. Uh, They definitely needed that win probably more than just about anything this season so far. Um, You know, everyone played to the best they could. Um, The running game wasn't as strong as you would have thought, especially with the weather being the way it was. Um, Cole Taylor looked really good. And, you know, we saw saw some mistakes from young guys, but, you know, they're young guys. You expect that. But great win overall for the team. I think I think you're right. I think the running game was a little suspect at times. I know CJ didn't really get as normal amount of his usage as he usually did. Neil Brown said after the game he just wasn't as sharp. Jalen Anderson, uh, as well as Jaheim White and uh, Justin Johnson all got time, which it was weird to see all of them kind of get playing time in the same game. So that was good to see. But for me, the biggest story is going to be, again, this defense. It's been two weeks in a row now this defense has kind of held an opponent down. I know that Texas Tech, for the final three quarters of the game, was with their backup quarterback. Hope all is well with Tyler Shuck, who dealt with a, I believe was broken fibula, is mm-hmm. what reports revealed after the game, which just absolutely sucks. You hate to see it, but it didn't look good at all. He was carted off. And then... The West Virginia defense through three quarters was just dominating these guys. They had allowed 137 yards of total offense. It was 13 to three. Texas Tech had 67 rush yards, 70 passing yards. They were one of 11 on third down, one of three on fourth down. And then the script kind of changed. West Virginia was doubling up Texas Tech on time of possession throughout the first three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, everything basically flipped. Texas Tech in the fourth had nine minutes, 20 seconds of possession compared to WVU's five minutes, 40 seconds. And then Texas Tech had 184 yards of total offense, 93 yards on the ground. But again, the biggest thing was that third down defense. One of seven on third down Texas Tech was in the fourth quarter, even though they were four or five on fourth down. But Overall, this West Virginia defense just played well. They battled, they bent, and did not break. I think the biggest drive of the game was that second defensive drive. Mountaineers come out, they elect to receive, they get the ball, then they go down the field, move the ball a little bit, uh, about to the 50, and then they have to punt. But then the defense goes three and out, and you're like, okay, here we go. 
Two plays later, Nico Markiel throws his first of two interceptions on the day. This one was his fault. The second one was not his fault. And then Texas Tech returns it to the WV35, and you're like, oh, here we go. Short field, seven points. You're going to be chasing points early. And no, they held their own. They allowed only, I think, two Texas Tech first downs in the entire first half, which I don't know, Patrick, that's pretty good. And so they only allowed mm-hmm. a field goal there, and I thought that was big and getting off the field. And so that's two weeks in a row where it's been three points instead of seven early, setting the tone, and then your offense and then your defense as well can also build off that going into the remainder of the game. Yeah, I think that was definitely a good – that was a turning point for the defense, especially that early in the game where, um, you know, you see your young quarterback make a mistake and you give them the short field and – with West Virginia, you've seen these teams kind of, you know, okay, short field, that's going to be the early seven, like you said. And they held their own, and they kept them to three, and that proved to be a big difference in the game, and that proved to kind of be the story for that defense throughout the rest of the game was it was not going to be easy to get a first down on them. I mean, two of 18 on third down for Texas Tech. I I also think we've talked about this defensive line and we've said they're getting better, they're getting better, they're getting better. Yesterday, they played really well, and they played so well that they were able to allow second- and third-level guys to bring pressure as well. I, I have some some stats here. Four TFLs, uh, 10 pass breakups, five quarterback hurries, two sacks for the West Virginia defense, and it wasn't just the front four doing it. It was, you saw Aubrey Burks in there. You saw linebackers, Trey Lathan getting there a couple times. Heck, you saw Jared Bartlett almost have an interception toe tapping on the sideline. Like there was a, like a whole total effort from this defense. And as much talk as we, as I've had, as everyone else has had about this defense and the way they played last year, this is a step up. And I think Aubrey Burks had a really good way of saying it. He said, this is not the Big 12 championship. We have to continue to get better, but we're going to enjoy it. But Because if you look back, like this defense got torched a year ago against the same team, against that same quarterback who you saw for three quarters of the game yesterday. And so it's the same guys for the most part. Obviously, you added a couple secondary pieces and a couple pieces on the defensive line. And not only you added them, they have worked out, which hasn't always been the case, especially in previous years. And all of these parts are coming together, and it's it's working. And through four games, we're a third of the way through the season here, they've played pretty well. Like, I get that they gave up points at Penn State, but a lot of people are going to give up points. Look what Iowa just did last night. So mm-hmm. Iowa's regarded as one of the best defenses of the country routinely on a yearly basis. And so this defense is really playing well. And yes, it's not the prettiest of wins, but this defense in 2020, 2021 was good. And they've gotten back to being good so far mm-hmm. in 2023. Yeah, it's the story we've seen with these Neil Brown teams has always been, you know, the defense is there, the offense isn't there. And then we see last year, you know, kind of a mix of both. One would show up one week and the other wouldn't. And then this year we're back to, okay, you know, there's a defense that's going on that field. Um, Hopefully the offense, especially the running game and the passing game, but specifically the running game is able to kind of make up for it. And, 
we're back to that. We saw that yesterday. We saw that against Pitt. Penn State, like you said, everyone's everyone's giving up to Penn State. Penn State's going to score willingly on just about anybody in the country this year. So to be able to see them do that again is very nice. It's also refreshing to see that, like, they can close out a game. This is two weeks in a mm-hmm. row where your defense has basically said, put us on the field, we're going to win you the ball game. And that also has not always been the case. And for a conference that has so much offensive firepower historically, and West Virginia has tried, and Neil Brown said this, has tried to win by beating you, beating your offense with their offense, they turned to try and beat offense with defense. And I think that's 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 the way it's going to have to work for West Virginia because that's the way it has worked under Neil Brown, and that's the way you've won games. But let's transition here. Uh, there's the offensive side of the ball for the Mountaineers. Nico Markiel got the start. Not a huge surprise, I don't think, to either of us there. Garrett Green, he could have been used in an emergency situation, but he was limping around even in the pregame. So let's be glad he didn't play at all. The Mountaineers, I think it was arguably one of the better games called for head coach Neil Brown. I mm-hmm. they they layered everything really well on their schemes. They were mixing in both run and pass really well. They were getting a lot of good action. Both tight ends, Traylon Davis and Cole Taylor, not only in the pass game, but they were big factors in the run game as well. There were a couple times where Traylon Davis was a lead blocker four or five yards down the field. And then Unfortunately, though, the wide receivers still need to take that step up. Obviously, Devin Carter had the bad drop that led to an interception. I know Preston had a drop as well, even though he was held on the route. And then they tried to hit EJ Horton there late on a deep ball, which was a pretty throw. It was a good throw, just couldn't quite sink up there. But obviously, those are two guys who really haven't played in EJ and Nico that much. So overall, on the offense, I would say... The positives are the way you ran the ball again. The offensive line continues to play really well. Let's see here. I don't think, yeah, Texas Tech had one sack on the day. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as far as Nico's concerned, he's getting better. He obviously didn't throw the most accurate passes yesterday, 12 to 21, 78 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He also, though, was a threat on the ground, 72 yards rushing. So, it sucks when your longest pass play was by a wide receiver on a trick play. That's not the greatest feeling in the world. But mm-hmm. here again, they did enough to win on offense, and you really can't complain too much about that. Yeah, it's. I think the positive to come out of this game is, you know, they're able to win with the backup quarterback. So now the question mark coming in for the rest of the season is okay we've seen what they can do with Nico what are they going to be able to do with Garrett you know combine it with the defense Garrett's a better thrower than Nico Garrett's a better runner than Nico nothing against Nico just Nico's young Garrett's been in the system for I think this is his fourth year so it's it's going to be a lot of you know how much difference can we see once Garrett comes back but yeah, they ran the ball well. Nico ran the ball really well yesterday. Um, CJ wasn't, you know, the kind of star you expected him to be yesterday. Um, 
it was good to see Rodney Gallagher get that. He had that one nine yard carry on the jet sweep. So that was really good to see him kind of just get a little momentum builder for him there. But then, you know, like like you said earlier, to see all four of the running backs play was something different. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like they left points on the table, too, for this offense. That second quarter, man, they had plenty of opportunities. They should have gotten six on that drive where they had the trick play, had to settle for three. And then they just kind of couldn't really finish. There was a play where Hudson Clement was wide open down the field, just didn't see him. There was another one where Devin Carter was a good 15 yards wide open by the sideline. Nico just overthrows him. So there's the inaccuracies and the the youth of Nico coming into play, I would say. But you also then saw Nico make really good plays when he had to with his feet. I thought he was really good on the ground. I know there's always going to be the the we want him to get better. But I think, as you said, the positive is that you win with the backup quarterback and that Garrett Green did not have to play. You did not have mm-hmm. to put six in the game in week four when you still have the whole month of October and November ahead of you. And the way this team's playing right now on defense, like if you can score 24 plus a game, like it's starting to feel like that's that's the margin that you have to get to on offense to win games. And I don't think we've been able to say that in a little while, which is refreshing, but also on the flip side, when this defense has been good, we've always had the thought of, well, can the offense come along with it? Can we have that complementary factor? The way this offensive line plays and how experienced they are, as well as the athletes you have, especially in that running back room, as we've said all along, that's the strength of this football team. And they can get to play complementary football. It's just, will we be able to see it sometime in the near future of a healthy Garrett Green, a healthy offensive line, and the defense playing the way it is and moving that along into the rest of Big 12 play? Yeah, and, you know, after this weekend, the schedule's only going to get easier. Now you've got a 3-1 and one West Virginia team that's three wins away from a bowl game with plenty of football left to play. So just – Schedule's going to get easier. Just going to need to win those games. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here, too, is that you won your home games. West Mm -hmm. Virginia's not always won their home games, especially early in the year. Last year, they lost to Kansas in their home opener, right? Like, there's all all these factors that they're doing stuff that they haven't done yet under Neil Brown. Mm -hmm. For, for, For example, for me, I don't think they win that game last year the year before I don't think I don't think they win that game and there has to start have being a conversation held on they are doing things now and showing growth that we haven't seen in the previous four years and all the people that want to say oh five years is too long like you're seeing things that show the sign of true development and true building blocks being cemented in place and I think that was just as evident last night, the way this team battled, the way the offense responded after the defense gave up a touchdown, and then the way the defense held strong against that offense at the end. Yes, there was the miscommunication on third down and late, which probably should have been a touchdown, but it wasn't. And there's a right now a different like vibe around it, I feel like, because that ball – 
last year, they catch that and then probably go score two and beat you 21 to 20. And we're just not used to those breaks happening under Neil Brown. But I just think that everything this year so far has been a fast improvement from where we have seen things in the past. Yeah, it's we've seen the aggressiveness of Neil come out this year. That that was a big question mark last year and the years prior. He's not afraid to go for it. Um, he's not afraid to send the ball downfield. It's like yesterday, that last drive where they tried to hit EJ Horton deep on first down. Last year, I think Neil runs the ball three straight plays unless um, you know you're in a third and long situation. You need the first down, he'll throw it. But I think last year it's run plays, run plays, run plays. And would I have liked it for it to be that this year on that drive? Yeah, but he showed aggressiveness. He's developing as a coach. Um, I don't think I don't think they beat Pitt last year in that game. Um I think but yeah, true we're seeing true development from Neil Brown right now. And I think that's that's kind of what you want to see and what you hope to see. And you're happy mm-hmm. to see it. So real quick, before we go, let's, we're just going to take a little real quick look around the big 12, give you some insight. This was the first big week of conference play across college football and the big 12 really didn't have anything huge game wise. Oklahoma Cincinnati was probably the biggest game of the week. I'd say Oklahoma won by two touchdowns, 20 to six, pretty low scoring for the Sooners. But their defense, that's another good result for them. TCU, they opened conference play last week against Houston. They beat SMU 34-17. Kansas took care of BYU at home 38-27. Obviously, the Mountaineers won. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, high scoring affair 34-27 in Ames. Iowa State wins. Houston beat non-conference Sam Houston 38-7, and then Texas took care of Baylor 38-6, and Kansas State 44-31. So, as we've said previously in the last couple of weeks, you avoid Kansas State, you avoid Texas, you avoid Kansas. Three winners from this past week. You get TCU, who the Horn Frogs obviously had that week one loss to Colorado. Uh, they were 3-1 and one on the year, 1-0 in conference play, and they they were just in the national championship as much as we want to gripe about how different that team is and how there's so many different factors, you're going to have a chance to go into Fort Worth on Saturday night and possibly get win number four. And I know all of us probably would have taken a three and two stretch to this month of September, but if you can somehow pull that off and go four and one, then, then conversations start to shift along the lines of what's the ceiling and how far can this team go? Because as you said, Pat, like after TCU, you get bye week, Houston on a Thursday, Oklahoma State at home, and then UCF on the road for to close out October. Like you're looking at some some games where if you say, All right, you could you could seriously win and make some damage there. So the big mm-hmm. one's next game, obviously. Every every next game's the biggest one, but if you just peek ahead. If this team can put something solid together in Fort Worth, we might we might be having some some conversations about this team going forward. Yeah, definitely. It's the schedule is going to get easier after that, but Fort Worth eight o'clock at night is it's not the easiest place in the world to play. 
And but it's a completely different TCU team than the one you faced last year. So you just got to take it one game at a time. Right now, you're going into the game zero and zero. And heck, two years ago they went in there at night on a Saturday and won in Fort Worth as well. So who knows mm -hmm. what might happen with that? So this is the end of this Texas Tech recap episode. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, keep it locked on bluegoldsports.com throughout the week as we get you ready for TCU this upcoming Saturday. We'll be back with you later in the week with a TCU preview. But until then, I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Patrick Burnell, and this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.